Typhoon Doksuri is continuing to churn past Taiwan, moving on a north-northeasterly path. Forecasters say the worst of the storm is still to come. Expect the strongest impact from Thursday night to early Friday. Once Doksuri makes landfall in China Friday morning, the rains should start to taper off. Until then, a storm alert is in place. In areas including Miaoli, Nantou, Hualien, Taidong, Penghu and Jingmen. So far, Doksuri has brought tremendous downpours across Taidong, Hualien and Pingdong counties. In Pingtung, water was released from Mudan Reservoir after the storm filled it up to the brim. In contrast, very little rain has hit the catchments of Wushantou Reservoir in Tainan or Zengwen Reservoir in Jiayi. At Zengwen Reservoir, the water level is still below 20%. Typhoon Doksuri is leaving a trail of damage as its periphery sweeps southern and eastern Taiwan. At Taichung's Fugang fishing port, the typhoon sank two fishing boats, incurring losses that could reach 1 million NT. At the remote indigenous community of Litu village, locals endured their second day without power. The day before Hualien County, the storm left one woman dead by drowning. Ocean waves are whipped up high by fierce winds. They crash across the breakwaters, rushing toward Fugang fishing port. Early this morning, fishermen came to Fugang fishing port to find that two boats had sunk to the bottom of the port. Two fishing vessels are submerged, with just their bows peeking out. Nearby fishermen hurry to secure their own boats, fearing that theirs would sink too. A closer look finds water in the boat engines and instruments. The fishermen are devastated. The damage will cost some 50,000 NT to 1 million NT. That's for things like the waterlogged engines and the instruments on the vessels, including the fish finders and navigation systems. Those must all be written off as losses. Over at Taidong's Luye River, surging waters have triggered a level 1 alert for Luming Bridge. We will report it, we'll report it immediately, and then our director will conduct an assessment. If the director says to shut down the bridge, then we will ask our colleagues at the public works office to do so immediately. Meanwhile, the situation remains dire at Litu village. With its roads cut off, the village has been isolated without power for two days. Despite efforts by excavators, there's no stopping the flow of muddy water. Even the local cabbage garden is almost entirely submerged. Our roads are severed. There's no way in or out. All villagers are advised to look out for their personal safety. In Hunchun Township, Pingdong, residents continue to face strong winds and rain. At Kenting's South Bay, the waves stood nearly four meters tall. At Banana Bay Fishing Harbor, colossal waves slammed into the breakwaters and hurtled straight toward the roads. The storm continued to flood into Sichong River. The day before, in Hualien County's Shiling Township, a woman lost her life in a flooded river. She and her husband were checking a water supply pipeline when she slipped and fell into the swollen river. By the time rescuers reached her, she had already lost all vital signs and could not be revived. 
They were checking a crude tap water pipeline when she fell. 38 personnel, including police, firefighters and divers, were sent. When they arrived at the scene, she was found in a state of out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. Dr. has wreaked heavy damage across southern and eastern Taiwan. With more rains on the way, locals are reminded to brace for impact. The U.S. House has passed a bill to help Taiwan take part in international organizations. The bill, titled the Taiwan International Solidarity Act, was passed unanimously with a voice vote on Tuesday. Notably, it argues that UN Resolution 2758 does not apply to Taiwan. This resolution has long been used by China to exclude Taiwan from the UN. Taiwan lawmakers says the bill is a milestone that presents big opportunities for Taiwan's global engagement. The One China Principle and the UN General Assembly Resolution 2758 must be respected. Resolution 2758 has long been used by Beijing to block Taiwan's UN membership. In 1971, the countries of the United Nations decided to recognize the People's Republic of China as the only legitimate representative of China. The resolution was also invoked to block Taiwan's membership in the World Health Organization. But the resolution is now being challenged by the U.S. House of Representatives. In a voice vote on Tuesday, it unanimously passed the Taiwan International Solidarity Act. The bill argues that although Resolution 2758 established the representatives of the government of the People's Republic of China as the only lawful representative of China to the UN, it did not address the issue of representation of Taiwan and its people in the UN or any related organizations. It also did not take a position on the relationship between the PRC and Taiwan or make any statement on Taiwan's sovereignty, the bill said. The bill passed by the U.S. Congress states that Resolution 2758 does not include Taiwan. This is a very important step for Taiwan's substantive participation in international society and organizations. It is an important step toward establishing a legal basis for that. On October 25, 1971, the UN passed Resolution 2758, acknowledging the PRC as the sole legitimate representative of China in the UN. The representatives of Chiang Kai-shek were ejected from the UN. Although the text of the resolution does not mention Taiwan, for more than 50 years, China has used it to claim that the UN considers Taiwan part of China, leaving Taiwan with no room for global engagement. But the House bill emphasizes that the resolution does not mention Taiwan in the text. It's a point that has significant implications for Taiwan. It's an important milestone. Perhaps we won't be immediately readmitted into the UN, or China's oppression may not end right after. But it is a major step forward. Other countries defending freedom and democracy may also follow suit. I think it will present huge opportunities for Taiwan. The bill still needs Senate approval and a signature from the U.S. president. But even so, it's already offered a ray of hope to Taiwan's international aspirations. Six U.S. lawmakers have asked U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris to meet her Taiwan counterpart during his U.S. transit next month. Taiwan's Vice President Lai Qingde is set to make two U.S. stopovers during his trip to Paraguay. Six House representatives signed an open letter saying a meeting between VPs would make it clear that the U.S. values its Taiwan friendship. 
weeks, U.S. House representatives have written an open letter to their vice president Kamala Harris, urging her to meet with Taiwan's Lai Qingde during his U.S. transit. Lai and Harris have met before at the inauguration of Honduran President Xiomara Castro last year. So, I am very thankful for the suggestion made by these six Republican representatives. As for any outcomes or discussions that follow, we will respect the arrangements of the U.S. Lai will be traveling to Paraguay in August to attend the inauguration ceremony of President-elect Santiago Peña. The arrangements will not differ from previous such visits. A lawmaker says Lai's transits will follow this principle. He'll only visit major cities with international airports and a significant community of Taiwanese expats. Several days ago, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken publicly stated very clearly that this would be the 11th time that an ROC vice president transits on U.S. soil. They have protocols for security, convenience, comfort and dignity, and we respect them fully. At the DPP Central Standing Committee on Wednesday, Lai reportedly warned party members against the opposition party's attempts to distort U.S.-Taiwan ties. He said that in face of China's threats, the DPP should strengthen its brand as a defender of Taiwan's democracy, rule of law and freedom. The party should make clear its goal of protecting peace, he said. We should collaborate with countries all over the world. Taiwan can be a force on the international stage. They're going out of their way to point to Taiwan-U.S. relations, which is in fact a hard-won achievement. There's no need to distort it, saying it's meant as a provocation to China. Amid a smear campaign from opposition parties, the DPP reiterated that it stood on the side of democracy and peace in the Taiwan Strait. We shift now to the 39th Hanguang Exercises. On day four of the war games, troops conducted an anti-landing operation at a beach in New Taipei's Bali district. The beach is considered a likely landing spot for PLA. If the beach were to be captured, the enemy would be able to reach downtown Taipei to target the country's political center. This Bali beach is very well suited for standard enemy landings. Add in Taipei Port and Taoyuan International Airport, and tactically speaking, you have a circular landing area. According to our assessments, Bali Beach is a very likely site for an enemy invasion. Ground forces can seize Taipei Port and use it as an unloading base. Then, using modes of rapid transport, they can move up Danshui River, past Wanhua, and quickly seize the central hub. Similar exercises took place on the outlying islands of Penghu, Jingmen, and Mazu. Soldiers were put through their paces as Taiwan tested its defense against an amphibious assault. Taiwan shares moved higher on Thursday after the U.S. Federal Reserve raised rates by a quarter percentage point. As widely expected, U.S. interest rates are now at their highest in 22 years. Although the Fed hinted at another hike in September, it also dropped its previous forecast of an economic recession. An analyst says that overall the Fed's message should leave Taiwan markets in a bullish mood up until the mid-autumn festival. Another step by raising our policy interest rate a quarter percentage point. We've covered a lot of ground 
and the full effects of our tightening have yet to be felt. 当你的十年期跟两年期倒挂的这样的一个状况来看，代表就是说市场上认为说它未来 When the 10-year to 2-year Treasury spread inverts, it means that investors expect interest rate cuts at some point in the future, but the timeline for lower rates is getting longer. The longer it gets, the longer this investor sentiment will last. I think that this bullish sentiment will last until mid-autumn festival. After the Fed's announcement, the three major U.S. indices held steady, while the Dow moved higher for a 13th consecutive day. Over in Taiwan, the stock market opened high and closed up 0.46 percent to 17,241 points. Turnover stood at 349.6 billion NT, with institutional investors buying a net 9.69 billion NT. Kaohsiung and the Japanese city of Sado have signed a friendship agreement to celebrate their century-old ties. The two cities go back to Taiwan's Japanese colonial era, when a businessman from Sado founded a sugar factory in Kaohsiung. Today, Sado's history and beauty make it a popular destination for Taiwanese tourists. This tourist has achieved no easy feat, pulling 12 kilograms of gold out of the display. We are on Japan's Sado Island, which was a gold mining hub during the Edo period. Today, its history and beautiful seascapes attract tourists from far and wide. The island has a link to Taiwan via Sado-born Yamamoto Tejiro, who founded the Chalto Sugar Refinery in Gaosheng during the Japanese colonial period. Yamamoto was a key figure in the modernization of Taiwan's sugar industry. To celebrate his achievements, Taiwanese sculptor Huang Tushui created a bronze bust of the sugar magnate in 1927. The sculpture was then exhibited in the refinery. After World War II, the bust was relocated to Sado City, where it was displayed at Mano Park. It was discovered several years ago by a Japanese scholar. With help from a Taiwanese expat in Japan, the city of Sado donated the bust back to Gaosheng. Gaosheng recast the statue and gave the copy to Sado as a gift. When I took part in the unveiling ceremony in Gaosheng, I truly felt the local people's gratitude toward Yamamoto Tejiro. That made me feel that returning the statue to Gaosheng was the right decision. The island of Sado has many relics from its gold mining past. In recent years, the city has pushed for the mine complex to gain UNESCO World Heritage status in hopes that Sado's gold mines will be known all around the world. Sado has two types of gold deposits: placer gold and gold ore. The techniques for extracting both of these types of gold deposits have been passed down through history in Sado. That's why we'd like to show this to everyone. When Taiwanese tourists come here, it gets very lively. It makes me very happy. Local businesses all hope our friends in Taiwan can come and visit Sado. Sado has long had a special connection with Taiwan. The bond was further deepened with a friendship agreement with Gaosheng. Sado Mayor Watanabe Rugo and Gaosheng Deputy Mayor Charles Lin signed the agreement, with Taiwan's envoy to Japan Frank Xie bearing witness. Saving energy is a big deal in our increasingly heated climate. Even the high-speed rail company is getting serious about energy efficiency. In the last decade, HSR drivers have made huge efficiency improvements by changing the way they drive trains. 
Just like you can save gas by changing how you drive a car, you can save power by coasting a train into a station. The HSR company has promoted these best practices with an exciting contest, which pits train drivers against each other to make the most of each kilowatt. Let's watch top HSR driver Chen Jiayong show us the move. Before setting out, the driver measures his blood pressure, takes an alcohol breathalyzer test and confirms the exact time on the clock. Every step is vital. He steps onto the train with the overseer. Today, he's not just completing a journey. He's competing in a highly contested event. He takes the utmost care with the timings and the placement of both the traction handle and the brake, looking for the most energy-saving way to drive the train. Experienced HSR driver Chen Jiayong is competing in the HSR Energy Saving Contest. Generally, there are two ways to save energy. One is coasting, and the other is average velocity method. Coasting means that I start by accelerating, and after a certain point, I let the traction go and then simply coast into a station. Passing another train, time of arrival, speed, all these are taken into account by the judges. Drivers must synthesize many different external factors, using their experience to make decisions. I think the most difficult drive is the departure from Banqiao directly to Taichung. That section has many changes in terrain and it's very long. The marks are awarded according to the driver's skills, the timely operation of the train, and the driver's implementation of regulations. HSR figures show how much has changed since the energy-saving measures began to be promoted in 2010. Before, each kilometer traveled by HSR train took 27.4 kilowatt hours on average. Then the energy-saving competition began by 2020, energy usage had fallen by almost 7% to just 25.6 kilowatt hours per kilometer. Have you ever tried snacking on a bug? A professor of entomology at National Taiwan University would love you to consider the humble insect for your next menu. Meet Professor Matan Shalami, insect expert and advocate of insect cuisine. The field is a growing one in this age of looming food crisis. Matan Shalami is a professor of entomology at NTU. His class on edible entomology is a creative and stimulating course and a big hit among students. A feast of scents floats from the lab. Shalami is discussing with students which bugs to put in the educational recipe book for the next class. I think the taste of it was a bit like eating a small dried fish dipped in sugar syrup. With the global population growing and environmental issues snowballing, a global food crisis is not a far-fetched possibility. But in Shalami's class, insects become the protein sources of tomorrow's dinner tables. The professor holds the edible entomology class every semester. We were just researching how to make a recipe with edible insects. Just now, it was the black soldier fly, and we wanted to try making it into a dessert, like cookies. This is quite a popular general knowledge class at NTU, and it's an elective in the entomology department. Taiwan is very convenient and just over-the-top convenient. It's wonderful. It's very easy. I have a lot of foreigner friends and everyone says, you know, they will come here for 
one year, two year, three year, and then 15 years later, they're still here. It's so easy to live here. It's everything works, everything is safe, um, there's wonderful health care, there's no stress. It's just a very wonderful place to live. So once people come here, I think they get stuck. They fall in love with it. Shalami came to Taiwan for his research and was amazed by the lifestyle of the country. In his eyes, Formosa really is a beautiful isle and a home from home. I would say thank you, Taiwan. It's, it's been an amazing ride. I've enjoyed it so much more than I expected. It's just a wonderful new home. Um, I would say also to any Americans listening, if you don't like it at home, come to Taiwan. It's nice here. An amateur sculpture from Yunlin has made a name online for his innovative carvings made from pencils. Li Jianzhu got into pencil carving by accident. Now he exhibits world landmarks and cartoon characters made of pencil. As a pioneer of the art, he had no one to teach him how to get started. But after more than a decade dedicated to the lead, his work is attracting fans from all around the world. A row of famous world landmarks. You might need to look twice before you realize they're all made of pencil lead. Some of these astonishingly detailed carvings can only be truly appreciated under a magnifying glass. Li Jianju, who lives here in Erlun Township, began with carving toys from bamboo chopsticks for his children. That was more than 10 years ago. At a friend's suggestion, he took up the challenge of carving a pencil lead, and after many hours' practice in his spare time, he's mastered the art. I shaved the bamboo chopsticks down into weapons for them to play with, and my friend suggested I should try it with a pencil lead. That's when I started exploring with pencils. Pencil carving is not a thing in Taiwan. When Lee runs into trouble, there's no guidebook to reference or teacher to consult. He just has to keep experimenting with everything from tools to techniques. He spent many hours developing his craft through trial and error. A pencil lead is very fine. It's a very brittle material, vulnerable to snapping, so you have to work very slowly, not too forcefully, although you do have to use some force. After more than 10 years, Lee has built up a collection of more than 200 pencil carvings. He gets inspiration from his life experiences and memories of his hometown. Every piece has a story and a soul. I grew up in the Shiloh and Erlun area. For me, Shiloh Bridge has a rather special association with growing up. So I went to study the structure of the bridge, and then I thought about how to apply that to a pencil lead. Online, Lee has made friends with other pencil sculptors from around the world and collected fans. He can't teach right now, but he enjoys sharing his work and exchanging about his experiences. He would love to see the art of pencil carving passed down to a new generation.